Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rock That Relationship. We are here today talking about falling in love as we've been talking about all season. And we are so excited to have on Lindsay Andrews, who is a codependency expert and educator. And we're, we're going to ask her all sorts of questions about codependency, interdependence, and how much, how much, you know, you know, space should we have and boundaries should we have in that new relationship? And, you know, we've been, we've been waiting to talk to Lindsay to, to, to be able to, you know, kind of find out all the details of all of this stuff. And then, you know, situated in particularly in Tracy's in my experience, as we usually do. So, Lindsay, we're really glad to have you on. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Corey and Tracy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, awesome. Maybe we could start out um, by just asking you a little bit about how you got into this work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, a lot of times these stories start by uh, a personal journey and that is how it started for me. Um, I am a recovering codependent. Um, and I learned about that. Um, I was married for a long time, 18 years and was a codependent in that relationship and got a divorce. And a lot of things started coming together for me. Uh, realized that I was bringing a lot of unhealthy uh, patterns, behaviors um, to my relationship. And ultimately, it starts with myself. And I realized, oh, I got to start looking in the mirror. I got to start like investigating myself uh, a little bit deeper um, because I was just constantly on that hamster wheel, like trying to figure out my life, why things weren't working. Why didn't people just do what I want them to do so my life could be perfect? <laughs> and it was just a constant frustration. And so um, really uh, that journey for me started seriously about five years ago where I got a therapist and I decided that I wasn't using my voice and I wanted to use my voice to help other people, other women specifically, um, come to some awareness, help them through this. Sometimes we're just floating through space and we really don't know uh, what it is we're dealing with. And so I really wanted just to be a voice. Um, podcasts were a really big deal for me as I was learning about my own codependency. And so I really wanted to kind of like keep spreading the love, if you will, to help women uh, have that self-awareness and to help them with some tools and resources to get through that. That's awesome. Can you explain? So you said you were a, a codependent yourself. What do you mean by codependency and emotional addiction are those the same things or different and yep how do you so yeah i i can start off by kind of like it all goes back to childhood like you know you think about where we got all this stuff right we all have you know issues in our adult lives and a lot of times what we can do is go back and see okay what happened in childhood why did what who did why did i become who i am you know as an adult and so i kind of like to start with um one, the definition of codependency. I think that's probably a first place to start, which is the chronic neglect of self in order to get love, approval, validation. Uh, it's also um, a way to get self-identity through another person. So, um, you know, emotional addiction is part of codependency, but I think for our conversation today, like 
codependency as the umbrella, like relationship addiction, uh, emotional addiction, like they all kind of fall within that same realm. So for me um, and for others that struggle with codependency, it's really, there's a lot of different factors in childhood that kind of create that dynamic. There's really like two, I would say that stand out as strongest to me that are like common factors to um, lead to codependency. So one is dysfunctional family dynamics. So if you grew up in a household where you had like dysfunctional pet patterns that you were witnessing, whether it was addiction, whether, you know, someone in your house had a mental illness or maybe there was abuse present, that all can contribute to codependency. And so in these environments, individuals learn that they need to prioritize the need of other people over the needs of themselves. And so that's kind of a very core component of being a codependent is kind of looking outside. How can I care give? How can I take care of other people um, to feel safe, you know, to, 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 to really just assure that safety. And then the second thing is really about childhood trauma. So if you've experienced like um, trauma in childhood, that can also lead to, um, so abuse, obviously part of it, but um, we kind of develop these behaviors in response. It's like a coping mechanism. So again, suppressing our needs, suppressing our emotions in order to survive and in order to gain that approval from anybody, like in your parents, mostly primary caregivers. So, you know, kind of learning to sort of behave, walk on eggshells to really kind of create that safety within self. So, I'm, I can give you some more examples, but like, that's kind of like the core of where it comes from. And it, does that impact relationships early on? And are people like, you know how there's a tra- attachment styles, right? A, a person's oh, avoidant yeah. or they're anxious. Are there, are people kind of, if you're a codependent, you're just codependent with kind of everybody or <laughs> pretty much. How does that work? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for me personally, um, you know, I, kind of just took those tools, those strategies that I had as a kid of coping and just like, okay, I'm an adult. So I'm going to keep doing those things. I have a boss. I'm in a a work environment. And it's like, okay, well, that boss kind of becomes the parent in a way, you know, kind of the the primary caregiver. So yeah, you end up taking taking those um, behaviors with you in all kinds of relationships. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a partner relationship, but in terms of like attachment styles and things like that, um, typically like, uh, you know, codependents can maybe fall more on the anxious side um, and they end up maybe trying to, I would say maybe not trying, but they likely to attract maybe a more avoidant partner. So you kind of have this dynamic happening where maybe there's more of a dominant in control partner that's sort of, um, I don't say wearing the pants in the relationship and you have the, uh, the codependent that's like, oh, I need to, you know, sort of defer my power to this person, give them my voice, um, not set any boundaries because, you know, their needs are more important than mine, things like that. Does that answer your question, Tracy? Yes, it does. I, I mean, I think it's interesting because I, I just wonder if people who are codependent, like in a relationship, are they then also codependent at work? And does that show up right away? Like, could you recognize codependency immediately? Or do people try and can they like, do they know they're codependent? They hide it? Or is that it's, is codependence bad? Is it a bad thing? It's, it's bad for the individual, right? 
I would say it's not a good thing. It's an unhealthy <laughs> behavior. Um, I don't, this is where it's kind of an interesting situation because we're, you know, talking about relationships, but work is, work's kind of been a big area of mine too, because I, um, I focused a lot on that. I've, I've had a lot of lessons in the work area and codependency is actually like, I would say it's not healthy, um, in especially healthy team situations, um, because, um, you, you know, somebody might take on more work than they need to take on. You know, they might say, oh, yeah, I got it. And they're people pleasing, but they really don't have it. And they're killing themselves by working long hours, things like that. So, like, I would say absolutely not healthy. And also, I think that certain um, certain people um, could abuse that, you know, in higher up positions because they're like, wow, this person's taking on everything like they're doing all of it. So it's almost like. It, it, it's kind of like feeding the, 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 the monster, which it's really not healthy for anyone to be a codependent in a work environment. So hope that helps. Yeah, that's so interesting about particularly about the fact that people are likely have some of these behaviors, the codependency behaviors that would transcend just, you know, not just one relationship. I have seen, you know, I, I'm I haven't had a lot of codependency experiences myself, but I have seen other people where you can see the codependency with a relationship with a friend, even with children, with their own children. Um, and, and, um, and it just kind of permeates their whole lives. So that's, that's so interesting. Um, but I do want to ask you a question because one of the things I'm really fascinated about, the things that we've been uncovering in this podcast, particularly are along the lines of kind of societal or Hollywood pressure to find the one, these like the romance, the notebook kind of things. I actually wrote, um, a book. I wrote a, a memoir about this, the quest for finding the one and just kind of what that was like, um, in trying to find the one because it's sort of an unrealistic quest in so many ways. And so I think about the movie, um, Jerry Maguire, right. And everybody knows this line, like you complete me. And this whole idea that, that that was so endearing, right. You complete me. And it was like, Oh, everybody's heart melted. I want to find someone to complete me and stuff. And, but like, the, or we refer to, you know, our, our partners or spouses or whatever as the other half, it's like somehow we are incomplete without these people. What, what are your, what are your thoughts on people who kind of, or, or that not people, but just the mentality of you're not whole until you find someone to be with romantically? Hmm. I'm trying to think, do I do a filtered response or do I just No, give... no. And I'm going to no. interpret Lindsay's response first, just by looking at her face. So exactly. She's, she's pretty disgusted right you can, now with you, that idea. Just let, let it, it loose. The only thing we ask is no real profanity. <laughs> I had to yeah. sign something with Apple about that, but um let, let it, it go. Out, let it go, Lindsay. Oh, I mean, it, it's bullshit, you know? Um, and I think we all know that in our heart of hearts, right? We, yeah. we know that. But I'm coming at you from the codependent, recovering codependent lens. And, you know, unfortunately, like, those movies, those lines, they're all like, ah, oh, you know, like movies are made to help people feel different than what they're feeling, you know? And so, um, you know, there's an aspect of that that I really appreciate about film and movies, TV, those kinds of things. On the other hand, like it's been propagated over and over and over again. And now it's just sort of this expectation in the world that we're going to find someone to complete them. Um, I come from it from a very... Um, 
I wonder if I've just swung my pendulum like the complete opposite direction because I've been codependent for so long. And so what I've been learning about myself is that no one actually completes us. We complete ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and we're, we're the only ones that truly know ourselves, right? And so, um, taking care of our needs, our health, you know, physical health, our mental health, um, our hobbies, our social connections, all of that is what we can do for ourselves. And so I, my therapist, I always like to give him credit. Um, he, he, he talks to me a lot about this. He says, Lindsay, we want to come from a place of want in our relationship, not need. And, and all of my friends are like, I don't understand why your therapist says that. We all need people. We're human beings. And I'm like, I get it. But from a codependence perspective, we really have to be protective of ourself and our identities and our boundaries because we're not wired <laughs> that way. Like, it's almost like I was thinking about this question. I really like this question because you know, I don't want to minimize what alcoholism is, you know, people who are alcoholics and they have to like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm done drinking. And so they can walk away from the drink, right? Technically they can walk away and not open up another bottle of wine ever again. However, for us, (laughs) we in codependency, like we still have relationships with people like the relationship. This is a relationship addiction issue, right? Where we're, you know, being a chameleon in our relationships. We're not using our voice. We're basically like, whatever you want me to be partner, I'm going to be it. Right. And so we have to be really, really protective of um, ourselves and how we show up. So, I mean, again, I'm like, beautiful. I love, you know, um, that, that, that movie was great when it came out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really attempt to tell all of the codependents that I talk to that we really need to refocus and reprioritize what that relationship means to us and come from a place of, I want you in my life, but I don't need you in my life because that helps set the, the, the tone for the independence of the individual. So, so when you work with somebody, okay, you, they come to you and they're like, help me. I'm a codependent. Do, do they even recognize that they're codependent? Like, or are they just like, I keep giving myself up or, you know, how do I they people morally more, more so in a group situation? Um, like when I'm speaking, people will share their stories and things like that. Um, I think that we all have aspects of codependency in us. I think like we can all relate somehow, like everybody has issues sometimes. I don't say everybody, but we've all suffered from low self-esteem, self-worth. We've struggled with setting boundaries with people that we love. We've struggled to communicate those boundaries because we're worried about how that might come across or that might hurt our partner. Um, so, um, you know, in terms of, um, you know, do they recognize, do they see, I think people fundamentally know something's not right. Something's off. You know, they've just been so used to not listening to themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead, Corey. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, when, you, you know, people recognize something as off, you know, I know there's that, well, I don't know, but like, I've seen people who are codependent that feel like they are serving others, right? Like, like, um, they are, they are just the natural caretaker. There's like code words that are really positive for codependency, right? Like, um, yeah. and so I'm, you know, part of it 
Like I'm wondering, is there by kind of quote, giving up this codependency identity, they're giving up their caretaking, their service to others. I mean, how does that, how does that intersect or does it? Yeah, I mean, you're certainly right. There is uh, uh, some labels that are actually like martyr-like, right? Like, you know, you're going yeah. out, taking care of people. Um, but it's not the same. Caretaking to like an ex- obsessive level. Caretaking to mm-hmm. a place of, um, you know, getting out of getting out of their way and letting them figure out their own lives. You know, like, um, you know, I think you can reframe caretaking to for somebody that's like a like there's a lot of people that serve and do good things, but also have healthy boundaries and have a lot of respect. So I think you can kind of like, you know, there's it's all within, you know, the spectrum, but like the codependency is like on the extreme spectrum. So that's interesting because there are people who are service oriented. There are people who dedicate themselves to others or animals or something like that. And Mm -hmm. then like, so you said something just a couple of minutes ago about people changing themselves or whatever. My sister used to accuse me of that. Oh, you change every time you start dating somebody. And I've had eight of the one. I've always been looking for the one. (laughs) And I think I've had eight, eight to 10. Okay. I'll just say eight to 10. I've been accused of like, you know, oh, you know, loving, falling in love, whatever. But I really like am devoted. When when I fall in love, like I'm devoted to that person. And I don't think that I change. Like I don't generally change who I am, but I will like go with whatever they're doing. That's what my sister has accused me of. And it's happened most recently too. And that's what I'm trying to stop now is that my life then becomes, I, I become very dedicated to that person and making sure that that person has everything that they need and that I can take care of everything and I can give them everything that they ever needed in their life. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that codependent, but perhaps you would. Maybe. <laughs> well, give me more information, Tracy. I mean, and you don't have to divulge all the details. I think oh, we, we, I love to divulge details. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, no names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think only you can answer that question for yourself, you know, like whether I, think, I feel like I'm giving myself up. Yes. Yes. Are you giving yourself away? Are you feeling like you're squandering aspects of yourself in order to support the relationship? I do think um, feedback from people who love us is really, really important. Sometimes we you know, don't want to hear it, or we have to take that with a grain of salt. Like they're only seeing you through a certain lens as well. Like, you know, so, um, I think only you can answer that question for yourself. And maybe there are pieces and parts that maybe you want to, you know, slowly pull back a little bit of just so that you, you do feel like you, you're, you're showing up fully. I think that the, the feedback is good. It's like, okay, that that's interesting feedback. Now, how do I feel about that? Checking in. Well, again, this comes into my whole theory about people needing kind of counseling when they first get together, or at least like a check, like at least if they're not going to do couples counseling right away, right? To, okay, let's make sure we have a healthy relationship that each person is kind of doing that work themselves or looking at themselves. Like, I don't think I'm codependent. I become like energized by the relationship, but I do then do double the amount of things that I was doing, like just, you know, previously prior to that. And I suddenly become interested in everything they're doing and I will make their life like great. Right. Even if they're 
not reciprocating. It's just my way. But I never, go ahead. I was just going to say, it sounds like it's coming from a genuine place, not a place of, um, like, uh, fear of abandonment. Like, maybe that could be a question. Like, oh, I'm worried that they're going to leave, so I'm going to over-invest in this relationship, or I'm going to give too much because I want to make sure that my place in this relationship is solid. And it's not about them, it's about you. And so I guess that would be maybe, like, something to ask yourself. That, that's a great clarification. And I think that, you know, yet when you say feedback is good from friends, I, I do take a lot of feedback in and then I, I put it through my own process and I take what, you know, works, but it is interesting. I think that that's key, right? To codependence. Are you the person losing yourself? Like, mm-hmm. is this becoming bad but if you are codependent do you know that do you know that you're losing yourself Mm. it's hard to see right I didn't yeah I I spent many years spinning around and appeasing people pleasing um deferring power decision making I didn't make any decision with Hmm. decisions without my spouse um, very just lacked, lacked my own confidence in who I was. Um, even as a mother, you know, it's like, I questioned if I was even a good mother, you know, like at times. Um, and even today, like I've evolved so much, but there's, you know, something, you know, I, you know, something will happen with my kids and somebody will say, you're a really good mom. And I'm like, you think so? Like, I feel like I don't even, you know. <laughs> That's why it's so important, um, you know, uh, the belief about ourselves and really checking in and saying, you know what? Yeah, I am a good mom. So I, I, I can say it with full certainty that I had no awareness that I was doing this. Mm-hmm. So, so like I'm thinking in your case or, you know, even Tracy, if you want to interpret this in your case is like, is it typical for one partner to be codependent and the other one to sort of be the dominant one or, or are there cases where there are two people that are codependent and that they just sort of lose themselves in each other. And these are the ones that kind of go off into hiding and, you know, you don't see them because they're just all about each other and nothing else. And and all of a sudden both parties are getting like, well, you never come to, you know, game night anymore or whatever, or is it mostly just one person sort of gives it up for the other? Yeah. You know, I was kind of reading in between the lines there with that question. And I, I, um, you know, I was thinking about that, like the whole idea of, two codependents coming together it's like it it just sounds like like uh, there's a leper there's two leprechauns going through the yard I'm like oh no really I have never seen that before like it's very I would say it's very rare to see Mm -hmm. that um I think that I think that that first analysis of dominant and more of a timid more passive deferring power combination worked really really well you know and I don't talk about narcissists a lot of people in the codependency space do I think that again that they're out there Uh, I just don't address it a lot because I don't necessarily like to focus on the other person and what I'm talking about it's all about what am I doing for myself and how can I take care of me and make the best decisions for me? So, yeah, like narcissist codependent, like match made in heaven, like you just mm-hmm. keep repeating the same dynamic, the push and the pull and feeling not good enough. And then that person's in the power. So it's just like, ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you do at the beginning? So you're at the beginning of a relationship and you're finding yourself 
becoming codependent, whether that's something that you would normally do or not in this relationship? Like what can you do at the beginning stages to sort of create some more equilibrium so that your, your relationship is off to a good start? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I think the, uh, I think that one, having an awareness, if you're a codependent person, it's really important. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really the first start. Like if, like if you're in a new relationship and you're like, oh my God, I'm also codependent. It's like, ah, you know, it's like, what can you do? It's like, you really love this person. You're really excited about this person. Um, I think that checking in, just like Tracy was talking about, it's like, wait, am I like, like over-invested in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Am I not? Like how, who was I before this relationship versus now? Um, are my friends saying anything different to me about this? So mm-hmm. I, I think that those are all really, I'm glad that Tracy brought that up. Um, I would say if it's possible um, to slow things down a little bit, um, I, I, uh, codependents have a typical uh, response in getting into relationships. A lot of times, especially if that dominant per, you know, and codependent kind of come together in a relationship, sometimes that feels very familiar and very exciting. And, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. all the energy and you're jumping right in. And so I that's one of the things that I would recommend is that if you're in the early stages of a relationship, um, maybe slowing that down, maybe not moving in together, maybe seeing each other a couple times yeah. a week. Like what? Instead- you're talking to two lesbians. Okay. Let me just back up there. Lady. <laughs> lady. Hey, hey, I, I hear you. Are, are you, let me, okay. we like to move in together right away. Okay. And we were, we were told by a lesbian matchmaker, slow it down people. And I'm like, what? We don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I think I listened to that episode and yeah. I'm like, yeah, spot on, spot on. Right. We can't, it's not in our DNA. <laughs> but it's good though, because you're giving us yet another reason to, yes. to slow it down. Right. I mean, slow it down and especially on the physical intimacy. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> that's a hard one too. Um, but really take time to get to know this person, right? Who is this person? You just met them. You're, you're, you, I mean, I don't know how quickly we're talking about early in a relationship. If we've been dating three months and now we're official. Is no, we're it- talking days. Okay. Okay. Day. Uh- <laughs> oh, down. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I have a personal example here. I mean, I have a lot of personal examples of this. I'm the fast train, right? Until now, because I've been burned twice in the last two years by very avoidant people. And so I, I have some flirtations happening and friends, including, you know, Corey will be like, when are you going to see this person? What are you going to do something in person? And I'm, I'm at the point, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, I need to take it slow because like texting now or, you know, doing things. I don't want to get physical anymore until I know that person. And this is the polar opposite of how I used to be because I bam physical right away. And I've seen how that has led me down some pretty rocky paths because I didn't wait. I didn't get to know the person and it, 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 it was disastrous to Mm -hmm. say 
Always. Well, and you went from like zero to 60. You went but from like the, yeah, the Tracy, the single, help it. Right. Right. The single Tracy who played pickleball at night. You did like, you know, your Netflix shows and walked your dogs in the morning. And then it was like within two days of being with Bam. someone, you're like a totally doing totally different things. So like, because that- I'm like devoted to that person. Like I'm devoted to, <laughs> I still kept up my pickleball. Thank you. But, um, like, yes, it's true. Like it's like, it's like an elixir. And I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about in this season. It's like, we started out and I said, Corey, I don't want to talk about falling in love. It's gross. I'm just falling in love with myself, vomit. And then I start talking and I just become, it's like I get sucked into a trance. It's like I could just, I mean, now thinking of it, I'm just getting so excited again. I'm like, oh, I need to throw my rules out the window and just go. But it's, the rules are helping me. So are there like rules you can institute to yourself to, Look, if I'm going to date, if I'm going to go out there and do this, what do I need to keep? Like, what do I need to do? Um, Boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I think Corey's spot on. It's like, you know, walking the dog, pickleball, all the things that make Tracy, Tracy. I think that is you want to keep those things and also like pepper in the new thing, you know, but also just take your time. I don't think you, I mean, I'll be frank with you too. I had like one of these whirlwind things like a few months ago, met this great person. I was like, yes, you know, and like it was chemistry off the hook and everything was really, really good. I I heard some of the clues, but I chose to be like, Mm. oh, it's okay. You know, again, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. how am I expected to find a partner that, that respects me if I'm not respecting myself and honoring the information that I'm hearing isn't congruent with who I am and my values, right? But I just dove right in. And then like 30 days later, I'm just like, I'm literally on the floor. I'm like, what the heck happened to me? It was over. It was Mm -hmm. done. Um, Exactly who, you know, was presented to me revealed itself, you Mm -hmm. know? So I, Mm -hmm. that's sort of my big takeaway from my summer fling was that (laughs) just slow down, slow down, take time. Um, and also listen to yourself. Um, the, the body too, I feel is one of those, um, you know, you like to move your body, Tracy, but like also like sitting with yourself, like if there's any ailments, if you're tired, if you're, you know, your stomach's upset or bothering you, like basically your body is telling you something's off, right? Or something's not working out. And I think we tend to, when we're kind of feeling this really, uh, you know, amazing elixir, as you said, um, tend to like just be drinking that and like, oh yeah, everything else is good. So um, that would be my, I mean, I wouldn't call it a rule. I would just say it's it's self-honoring to slow down. Mm -hmm. So what about if we took it to the extreme, like the other direction, like when you're like, I want to have my independence, right? And mm-hmm. it becomes so, um, the independence isn't interdependence, right? Like you're, you're almost leading like parallel lives or, you know, you might mm-hmm. see this with married couples who've been together for a long time where they literally have their own lives next to each other. Um, yeah. and they aren't even at least even a little bit invested in each other. And you can, and I, I wonder about that because, you, you know, I've entered into, um, a relationship in the past couple of years. And I was very mindful about having a lot more independence than I have before, but I wanted to be really careful to not be disconnected, right? Like not overdo it and be like, well, we can only see each other like this many times a week. And so how do you balance that? Right? Yeah. I mean, I think with just 
communication. I mean, I think that um, we, too, you know, codependents, especially if they're, you know, recovering, self-aware codependents, um, like you just said, it's like, um, you know, you have a few relationships where you've self-sacrificed and, you know, haven't taken care of yourself. And so when you get into a new relationship, again, like that pendulum just swings the other way. It's like, well, by God, I've, I'm going to keep all the stuff I've got going on and I'm going to be me and you can't break me. I mean, I had a, had actually yeah. a really good post relationship after my divorce. It was secure. It was secure. It was relatively healthy. Like I was like, Hey, I'm codependent. I got issues. Like I want you to know. And he's like, cool. Like that's awesome. And let's talk about it. And I think that's really, really important that you just have really good communication. But I, I did in that relationship, I just was like, okay, like you do that and I do this. And like, it was very, and, and it, it was okay, but it was just like, I I think you just have to strike a healthy balance between independence and togetherness, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's essential for couples to be communicating often and regular regularly about the needs and expectations and priorities. So I mean, I that sounds like a I don't know like a textbook response, but I really think that's true. But I think we do as codependents sort of overcompensate for that independence because we're fearful that somebody's going to hijack it again and take it away from us. Yep, exactly. Well, I think, you know, in society, I keep making this point, it's like we don't get the modeling, we don't get the understanding, people, you know, poo-poo therapy and stuff like that, but really therapy is about getting to know yourself, right? And like, it, it seems like this codependence, you had an awareness and you don't have to tell us the watershed moment, but was there a point where you just wanted to know yourself? Like, did yeah. you feel like you just didn't know yourself? Yeah, I think I was always self-seeking and I would find like the thing, right? Like I, um, I would try to find, you know, I got the job, you know, oh, I got the job, you know, and then I'd be in the job and I'd be like, oh, still not good. Something's, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the marriage. Oh, you know, and like, you know, I start kind of, you know, peeling back the layers of all of my dissatisfaction. I'm just a constant seeker. And I mean, I've, I'm, but I got to a point where I was like, I can only like read so many books. Like I need help. Like I can't, like, I, I guess I self-identify with having a warped sense of, um, you know, views on love and relationship because I wasn't programmed properly, if that makes hmm. sense. And so the only way for me to kind of correct that is to have a therapist have someone with a pers- a different perspective than mine that can see the situation clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of my aha moment. I was, I was driving, I'll tell you, I was driving in the car to my new job five years ago and I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to this, you know, therapist talk about codependency and he spoke about how a lot of people, um, when you ask people, generally speaking, you ask them, hey, do you like yourself? And most people are like, yeah, I like myself. Most people don't. That was his thing. He's like, most people don't like themselves. And if they don't like themselves, they can't trust themselves. And if they don't trust themselves, they can't love themselves. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> like I don't love myself. Oh, my God. And so that was the moment for me. And actually, I emailed him and said, can you be my therapist? Because that was the moment for me that um, really turned on the light bulbs. 
See, and that's, that's, an, that's why podcasts are so good. The I know, podcast but... changed your life. Yeah. And you know, the, the podcast changed my life. Also commitment to myself, you know, I'm sure, you know, you, we all have things we do for ourselves. Right. And so a journaling practice and a yoga practice meditation, like we all have and hobbies that we enjoy, like that all folds into, you know, the identity and the, and, and the people that we are and the humans that we are. So I didn't have, I didn't have that before. You know, when you're, are you happier? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say when you, you were talking about the, the, the having your thing. Um, one of the things that I had was I, I walk every day. And when I got with my new partner, it's been well, about two years now, but it was like, I'm going to walk every day. Like that's something you just need to know. Yes. Like, and sometimes you're invited, but sometimes I want to walk with other people or sometimes I want to go by myself or just talk on the phone with Tracy or just listen to music. And I'm going to do this every day. And this is part of who I am. And, um, I mean, it, it's been, obviously it's been well received. And so it's like, no matter what happens, even if we're traveling, it's like, Corey needs to get her walk in. Cause that's part of like, what's important to her. And so for me, as we're talking about finding that thing, it was like, for me, it made sense to find like a tangible thing that I could hold on to. So when you say like getting those boundaries, for me, a boundary was very clear. I needed to do about an hour, hour and a half walk every day. And that was a really clear boundary. And so I can measure whether I'm doing it or not and yes. holding true to myself. And it's very simple, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be a big elaborate thing. And um, I think that's important um, to set like a small boundary at first too. I think that uh, really important for people who are feeling uncomfortable about doing so. Well, what's something simple that, hey, if I can just do this every day or whatever, that I can actually follow through on and feel like I've got a little piece of myself. I'm starting to build that and reclaim that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, I think about our listeners being able to find something small like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's diving in and being like challenging codependency head on might be kind of scary, but finding something that's kind of a non-negotiable, you know, I mean, I know for Tracy, one of those things was pickleball and like, that was really important to her. And, you know, for me, it's walking or it may be not physical. Maybe it's just an hour every night to read or something, but not, not being able to be convinced to give that up to do something else and then feel like you're at a loss. And so I, to me, that was a really great tangible thing. Do you know what my non-negotiable is? What? That I do whatever, but whatever <laughs> I want. And that is my non-negotiable. And I just took a trip and it was the best trip of my life because I did whatever I wanted. I was me. I had my own car. I just, even though I saw family and friends, I did whatever I wanted. And I think that's important. And that was my question for you, Lindsay. Are you happier? Are you happier now? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm a lot happier. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I just, I, I, um, it's complicated. You know, life is complicated as you do the work. You know, you think that you're going to, you know, somehow create and get to some kind of arrival point. Mm -hmm. But what I'm learning is that you actually don't get to any arrival. It's just a new uh, suitcase full of learnings that you've got to like pick up, unpack, look at, things like that. So uh, yes, happier and also like, you know, live you're, in a human existence. You know? You're more complex. Like your life yeah. is richer. That's what mm -hmm. I've said to two people, the two people I dated who were not doing therapy and stuff. And I, and one said, well, if I do this, I'm going to be in the fetal position for, you know, whoever knows how long. And I said, you will be for a little bit. And then I promise you all of your relationships will be richer. Yeah. And, you know, going back now and hanging out with somebody that I was with 10 years ago and to be told to, to work through a, an issue, you know, to have and work through some old dynamics 
we did it totally differently and it's richer for it. And do I regret having moved on from that life? Yes and no, because all of the stuff that has happened since has given me such a different perspective and enriched my life so much. And I feel like for people that are scared, and I think codependency maybe is rooted in fear, is like, oh, I, I, I can't do this. It's like, step out of that. Look at the pain that's within yourself. I've done it. You've done it. Corey's done it. It is really hard, but honest to God, it it will change your life. Because there is complexity in that. And that pain is there whether we choose to recognize it or not. So why don't we recognize it, address it, embrace it? And 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 I used to call it the ugly baby doll that you carry around with you. And you have to look at it sometimes. But it's always there with you. It's there with you whether you like it or not. So why not give it some attention? That's really well put, Tracy. The ugly baby doll Corey hates that. Yeah, I don't like the, I can't do the ugly baby doll freaks That's, me out. I mean, that was humorous. I liked it. <laughs> but then I liked what you were talking about the complexity piece. I think yes. 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 You, you had me until I envisioned like this dirty, raggedy Anne that I'm holding no, for my childhood. No, it's that you have this, it's your inner child, right? My therapist used to try to get me to do inner child work. And I'm like, lady, you are creeping me out. I don't, you're, no. And then I was able to outsource it because I encountered three children being abused out in the world, like just presented in front of me where I intervened on the behalf of the child. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is me doing my inner child work is helping me. And a relationship I recently had brought me back to that. And that's what I'm saying. If we don't look at ourselves, if we don't see what's within us, it's we're stunted, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. We're all there. There's so much potential in us, right? Of who we, who we are and what we're meant to do here, you know? And, um, it's kind of, I mean, I look at my life and I try to like not dwell on this, but you know, like there was a long period of my adult life that was, I squandered, you know? And so mm-hmm. now that's a beautiful story now, right? But, like, yes, there's so much to flourish, to grow for that richness. I totally agree with you. So, uh, Lindsay, I mean, it sounds like there's a couple different levels of things here as takeaways that I'm hearing. And maybe you can kind of fill in for us. But what it sounds like is, you know, there's there's kind of the really deep work, right? Where does this codependency potentially come from? Looking at our childhood, looking at trauma, looking at past relationships, whatever that might be, to unpack kind of why it is that we seek codependency as a way of dealing with fear or loss or abandonment issues. And then kind of on the more surface level or the day-to-day level might be something around creating actual physical um, or emotional boundaries. It could be slowing things down. It could be slowing down the physical nature of things. It could be saying, hey, I need an hour or a day to do my watercolor painting, something that's kind of more tangible. What, what are, do, A, do I have that right? And B, what might be some other takeaways for our listeners when we think about like, how do they start? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love that. I love how you like, I was just like, I can tell you've got the professor going on because you just like summarize that really, really well. I'm like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I like that. Um, also I'm stalling cause I'm like, what else do I want to say? I, I'm a huge fan of, of therapy. Um, I, I honestly, like if you can, if you have access to therapists, I know there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. There's also Al-Anon. If you struggle with, um, drug and alcohol, uh, addiction in your family, that's a great place to go. There's a lot of great resources there. Um, 
you can't do it by yourself. You can't heal from codependency on your own. So find someone uh, to, to help you with that. That would be a key takeaway. That would be the takeaway. Really, really important. Excellent. Yes. Tracy always tells me I'm a professor. Um, and that's why I have to open and close the show because I can preface and summarize. It's taken me like 25 years to learn how to do that, but because we have a nice interdependent relationship and, and she does it because if not, this would be the most chaotic show that ever was. And so (laughs) we need Corey's brain to keep it. I'm already in like 12 different directions, but Corey's like, She's got it. She's got the outline. She's got in her head. She's going to summarize it and then she's going to wrap it up. Exactly. You guys make a great team. You make a great team. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and Lindsay, you summarized it even better than I did. So just recognizing and, and seeking help is really what's, what's most important and, you know, finding your way back to yourself. I mean, that's to the yourself. Ultimate yeah, exactly. Because you as an infant, I think, you know, infants probably yeah. love themselves and then, oh my gosh, everything that happens to them just kind of diminishes that it, it you know, it, what do I say? It, it like dims their light, you know, mm-hmm. life kind of dims people's light. And I think like for me over 53 now, I don't want that anymore. I don't want anyone dimming my light ever again. I just want to do what I want to do and, and, mm-hmm. you know, to be in the world in the way I want to be in the world, not how somebody else wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, okay. Lindsay, where, where can our listeners find you? What kinds of things do you, do you offer? Do you do any yeah. kind of coaching therapy? Do you do classes? What, what is on your horizon of the things that you do? Yeah. Uh, well, actually I'm like a re- like regular person that has like a eight to five job Monday through Friday. Um, but I also have a, a podcast called unstuck on you. Uh, so you can, anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can look that up. Um, my website's also unstuck on you.com. So, um, I really kind of doing the speaking engagements lately. I've been talking to a lot of workplaces about codependency in the workplace, um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to be putting out some new episodes on the podcast. So yeah, just, um, happy to connect with anyone who might be interested in talking. Awesome. Excellent. Fantastic. We'll make sure to put all of that stuff in the show notes and, um, so our listeners can get a hold of you. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay, for being on here and having such a great conversation. Tracy, thank you for all of your insight and the resurgence of the uh, ugly <laughs> baby doll that Chucky. I, that, the emotional came, Chucky. I think, wasn't it? it? It was like four seasons ago was the last time we talked about the ugly baby doll. Yeah, and your so, fa- you had the same face when I brought you. it up. Okay. Thank you for bringing it back up. I feel complete. You complete me, right? <laughs> Just true. kidding. All right. Anyways. Codependency jokes, Corey. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> She's not even off the podcast yet. Jeez. Let her get off the show. No, I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thank you. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, Until our next episode, go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships. 